Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, you just heard it in Paul's news. Winter weather is bearing down on the Midwest this week. Places like Milwaukee and Chicago forecasted to get uh, up to two feet of snow. Meanwhile, here in the Twin Cities, we're looking forward to a measly two to four inches on Friday afternoon. Adam, uh, are we missing out on the big sock of snow, or are we escaping with just a nice couple of inches? I think escaping again. I, I, I was... B and Ming. What is that? Bitching and moaning. Oh, got it. Okay. I just don't like to say That's that too cute. often. <laughs> got to BM or B and M. About the fact that we, this winter has been weak, just that we're in no man's land of winter. Uh, the cold is coming. If you're going to have both, I think we'll take the cold and leave the heavy snow to the south. I, enough to shovel is fine a little bit, but yeah. I don't need a big crippling snowstorm right now. I don't either. This is enough for me. It's, yeah. it's pretty. It covers up all the blech. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can make a snowball. Uh, this is totally fine. Make the, I, I just want the ice. Give me the cold weather to make the ice. Uh, I hear you on that. And then uh, the the heavy snow hinders the making of lake ice. So mm-hmm. I just want I want to go ice fishing is my point. 20 Which, years after the... I know. I thought he was going to jump in too and tell us we're nuts because yeah. David oh. loves snow. Yeah, you know I want the snow, snow. but I say it every day. I can skip a day. 20 years after the original Mean Girls movie starring a then 17-year-old Lindsay Lohan, a new Mean Girls movie will be out this weekend, this time starring Tina Fey and Renee Cap. Jordana, were you a Mean Girls fan, and are you excited to see the new one? Very excited to see the new one. Why'd you ask her? I I love Tina Fey. I know. I wasn't. Are you a fan? I haven't seen the original. That's That's why why I asked Jordana. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. Uh, I loved the original Mean Girls. I thought it was great. My girls loved it. it. It spurred a lot of conversations about bullying. I thought it was well done, and I cannot wait to see the next one. I, again, love Tina Fey, so I'm excited about it. Adam? Uh, I'm not terribly excited. I like Tina Fey. Yeah, they'll probably go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if I'd go see I I always get it like. I'm saying I'm going to go to a movie with my kids. Mm-hmm. I used to love going to movies, you mm-hmm. know, the cartoons and they're the 3D ones. Now it's like I'll just drop you off at the theater. Like oh, <laughs> they yeah. went to see Wonka mm-hmm. the other like mm-hmm. about a week you didn't ago. Go? I was gonna for a second, then I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, I'll let you guys go watch it. See, we still do that as a family. My kids are even older. I guess maybe because family time is becoming with one in college uh, less available yeah. for us. So yeah, we saw Wonka together. Uh, we we saw last night. By the way, we got to fire up the RRG today. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Um, we saw the Bank of Dave. Yeah, so, watched that re- last week. Did you recommend that to me? I think I did. Oh my gosh, we loved it. Great family movie. Yeah. Kids are still talking about it. I highly, really wholesome. Yeah, it was good. Very wholesome. Highly recommend Good British that. comedy. Yeah, and Mean Girls guy, is fun, but that's a great one. And then the guy who plays Dave. Yeah. Uh, I started watching The Diplomat again. The, he plays like the the shyster prime minister in the diplomat. Oh my gosh, that's why he looks so. Yes, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in the Bond movies. He's a so great good. actor. Yes, yeah. so good. Yep. So everybody watch that one. 
Gabriel Attell, the 34-year-old French education minister, has been named the country's new prime minister, a history-making appointment by President Macron as he looks to jumpstart the government's fledgling popularity. Attell will be France's youngest ever prime minister again, the age of 34, also the first openly gay man to serve in the post. Adam? What's your reaction to the this world leader who's uh, let's see forty seven years younger than our president? <laughs> Wait a minute! I mean, young people can actually uh, do that job. He's not even that young. I mean, it's like compared to like our. I mean, thirty four, I guess, is pretty young. But he's media savvy, rising star. Good for him. Absolutely. Um, so I'm trying to think now the role of a French prime minister as opposed to because they've got a French president and prime mm-hmm. minister. Yeah. How that works uh, with what kind of role he takes over, uh, as opposed to uh, Mark Macron. Uh, but no, it's that's how it should be. We should and not like too young, but like younger. You know, we should be able to trust younger people with doing the job. Like yeah, and dude's like forty, right? It's not 34. Like he's a baby. Oh, 34. 34. Oh, 34. Yeah, Is that too young, you think? Um, I don't think so. No. I don't think so I think either. you have to be 35 to be president in this country. Is yes, that the, correct. 35? Right. Yep. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with 34. I think new ideas, changing mm-hmm. things up, I think that's a good thing, says the 51-year-old person. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yes. Because we're really screwing it up. I don't know what's happening in France. I don't know that much about their politics. But, yes, some new ideas are a good thing. It's also an appointed position, which I think is interesting that he didn't have to run a campaign. He's appointed Mm by Mm -hmm. Macron. It was the final college football game of the season last night as Michigan topped Washington. 34-13 was the final in the national title game. Jordana, I know this game was on the TV set at your home last night. Do we still say TV set? We do. Is that okay? It was on the set? Uh, what was your takeaway from that game that I know you watched front to back? There's a lot of screaming in my house. <laughs> so very exciting. But the kid's dad is a Michigan alum. And when we were dating and I was in high school, I used to go to Michigan to visit him. And we'd go to the big house. And I know the Hail to the Victors song. So lots of go blue that was happening yep. in our house last night. Uh, it was a super exciting game. I mean, Michigan, obviously, Victoria. So everybody was Super happy. So as we were doing the twins puzzle, thank you to the twins for sending me their puzzle. Uh, we were watching the game. There was screaming. There was jubilation. And um, it was uh, – college football was fun. You know what? I, I I don't watch a ton of college football, but it was so fun to see this game because the cheerleaders were there and they were running out of, in front of the tunnel. And it made me remember my days of cheering at Syracuse. And I told the kids some fun stories. We didn't. There was no national championship, by the way, in the early '90s. We didn't. We just had bowl games. Bowl so, games, so, and you declare a national champion to be like the Associated Press, or, right? Yeah. But so I get why this game exists. So it was was really fun and exciting. And you know, I don't necessarily love football. I think it's people hurting each other a lot, and people were injured. That quarterback of Washington looked Penix, really beat yeah. up after the game. Yeah, he had I a rough game. But yeah. I was hoping it would be a closer game. But yeah. Michigan is very good. Yeah, but I think Vikings fans are watching, you know, Michael Penix, the quarterback for Washington, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback for Michigan, probably thinking, hmm, wonder if one of those guys might uh, might be drafted by the Vikings this next year, find themselves a quarterback. Yeah, I don't know who any of those people are, but but sh- pick the Michigan one because he, go- he won. McCarthy, yeah, you weren't thinking about the Vikings draft while you were watching that game last night? I was Jordan? not. I was thinking more about the Twins puzzle. That. And telling my son to stop yelling so much because he was very excited about the game. So it was very loud in my house. But it was fun. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it's another family activity. There you go. For you to do. Go blue. Um, 
when you get in the car and you're with somebody else, do you fight over the temperature controls in the car? Mark, you're going to be mad, but I am throwing you under the Tesla when we get back. Not a lot of room under a Tesla. Is it me? Or does everybody have a battle when they get in the car with somebody else? That's just you. I love my husband. He is a godsend. He is an angel, a gift from Hashem, a great caretaker, a great human being. Now let me tell you all the bad things about him. I'm kidding. Uh, We get in the car. Mark drives me to work. Again, an angel from God. He is an incredible husband. He could get you here a little sooner. I know. That's all I'm saying. That's on me. That's on me. I I can never be here before 820. I'm kidding, by the way. I'm kidding. can't do it. I'm kind of kidding. We get in the car. Yes. And he blasts the heat. It's on like 10 fan. Okay? Mine goes to 11. Okay. Well played final tab reference he puts it on 10 and immediately i am suffocating not because it's so hot because you know it's cold in the morning and the heat's on 72 it's not an abnormal amount but blasting the the fan so hot and yes friends we have a car where i can close my vents yes friends we have a car where i can set dual the heat temperature zones? lower yeah, dual yes. heat zones. but you know, if you close the vents, the, the heat, when it's on 10 or whatever, 8, it comes out other places. It just does. Even if it's coming out on his side, it's still suffocating me on my side. So then I'll crack the window and then he'll yell at me. Then you're wasting energy, hot. yes. Or, or that he's freezing. Right. And then I say, turn on your seat heater if you're if – you're and in the five-minute drive to, to work, like because that's what it is. I live in a first-ring suburb. I'm really close. Um, there is a battle. Every single time. And I don't know why we can't solve this. It's comical at this point. I mean, thank God this is should be our greatest battle. But does everybody have this issue with the person they get in the car with? Or is it just me? And am I being unreasonable to ask him to put the fan on four instead of on ten? Yes, you need to turn the fan up as high as it can go on high heat to get the heat started earlier. No. I am convinced that that it works. You can't tell me otherwise. I don't need an engineer to tell me that that's you're wrong on that. Turn I need a mechanic to call power, in right now and tell me heat. that is crap. And then you, it's like the same with the water in the morning. You turn it all the way hot to no. get it hot, and then you dial it back. It's the same concept well, for the car. True. I don't know. I can't imagine it's true open the, the pipes, open the vents. Let's go. Heat it up, no. and then dial it back. Go ahead. You guys both just have no idea what you're talking about. The water thing does work. Oh, the really? vent thing you're talking about does not work. Thank you. I believe. And it. I was going to agree with you, Jordana. Because Aaron, Aaron Rodgers told me that it works. Every so I'm doing. It. Every couple has that fight, right? You're in the car yes. every once in a while. It comes up, but then I was thinking about all the times I've driven you home, mm-hmm. and almost every time I drive you home, you are cracking a window or adjusting the heat or something. So I think I changed my mind. I think it's a you thing. I think you are only comfortable in like a one degree range. And if you're outside of that one degree range of comfort, you immediately need to do something about it. Like push a button or roll down the window or touch something and fix it, even though it's a five minute drive. So I'm I'm sorry, but I think it's you. I'm on team mark problem. All right. It probably is. Text right here. Driver controls the heat in the radio. Full stop. End of sentence. 
End of discussion. He's killing me, though. Now, like, even I, though, you, now that being said, you should you can you control the radio, but you also have consideration. Like I can't play fish in the car when my wife well, is in the car. I mean, that's, yeah. And but I'll and I I I I will say that's how I appease her. I say okay, and if it's too hot, I'll turn down the heat. But you're driving, you're thriving, you control those gadgets. All right, so I'll have to get it. People are saying the driver controls the heat and the radio. Okay, that's fine. Um, so I need to then not wear a jacket. Or can am I not allowed to, to crack my window to let some of that suffocating hot air out? Is that Am I an awful person? Man's freezing, I mean, you you're said. wasting the energy. It doesn't really – I don't buy that, though. Like, I mean, it'll cool it down a little bit, but not so much that it's, like, really cooling down the car. I'm going to share something, though. I was always a very cold person. You know, like, well, I, I think not in my soul. I think physicality. I think I have a warm heart. But um, lately, since since my bone marrow transplant, my body temperature is different yeah. than it used to be. And I feel like I can tolerate the cold being out. I feel like I get really? warmer. Yes, I'm more of a more of a, a warmer person than I was before. I feel like I feel like his new a menopause. Menopause. It might be menopause. I'm sorry, I but I really that. feel I'm I'm crediting my my um, donor here, Matt. <laughs> he was a he was a warm baby. He is a, he's warm, and I feel like I'm warmer. So I f- and who knows? Maybe it is menopause, but that that's <laughs> taking over. So maybe I will start like my kids wearing shorts in the winter and not wearing a jacket. That'd be something to see when it's cold out. But yeah. I still then think the cold Mark weather's is wrong. no problem for you. I still think you cannot blast the heat and suffocate somebody that is sitting next to you in the car. There needs to be a happy medium. I should be allowed to crack the window. Jordana, although Adam is wrong almost all the time, he's right on this one. David from St. Paul. Jordan, Mark can preheat the Tesla before you get in. He can, except the key was in my bag today, so he couldn't find it. That's what I'm saying. The Tesla is the ultimate preheating machine because you're not wasting gas. You're not not, uh, idling. Right, and Um, normally he does. And this morning it was a... It was a key thing, and it was in my bag, and, and I was wrong. But I just, uh, we had this fight for like the millionth time, and I thought to myself, is it just me? And apparently it might be, and I need to suck it up. Do you use the heated seats? Yes, when it's very cold, we use yeah. the heated seat. He didn't have his on, so I pushed it on for him today, and then he rolled his eyes at me, and it was a debate back and forth. And I thought, all right, he is driving me to work, and I am a total being a total B, and I really need to give him some slack. But I almost suffocated. Adam, my husband, tells me every time that the engine has to warm up first before the vents can blow out the warm air. Jordana, does your husband have a sweater? I'm with you. Can't stand heat. Of the we- I'm wearing a jacket. Fortunately, we have dual heat, and she can turn her side up a bit. He does have a sweater. He was wearing a very warm coat and a hat today. Yep. <laughs> and he's not cold. I mean, he's usually warm. I usually have to cuddle up with him uh, at night. But I, um, this is a battle every time we get in the car. And I know other people must have this battle someone says we do not have this battle she likes it hot i wear a light jacket and a baseball cap instead of a winter jacket and a warm hat all right so from now on no jacket gloves too you know there was a theory that you as long as your hands are warm oh really you don't need like i did that for a while like really? when it wasn't really cold i well, try that just put gloves on and the, like your gloves are your like thermometer yeah like, like the, if you keep your hands warm you're warmer and Try also, remember, I wear a wig, and oh, I feel yeah. like that also keeps me very warm because I um, have very little hair. So I'm wearing a wig 
to work, and maybe that traps the heat in. And it's that more, could be it too. This is a me problem. I bet it is. All right, Mark. Well, clearly it's a I'm you sorry. problem. I mean, I know. It's everything you bring up. Honey, is I'll kind of a apologize problem. later. Uh, you know what is a you problem? It's an us problem. The uh, the cranking up of the political divisiveness. Oof. We talk about it all the time. Former congressman from Wisconsin. We've had him on before. He's a former Republican congressman who wants to do something about it. Uh, he's joined us before, and he'll join us next. Scott Klug is up around the corner. Don't you go anywhere after traffic and weather. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We talked about this very last week, just last week, about your concerns over violence as we go through 2024 leading up to the 2024 election. It's a very real threat. We just had the third anniversary of January 6th. That was violence. That's political violence. Uh, Our next guest we've brought on uh, before to talk about where we're at as a country and the civility or lack thereof. Former Wisconsin Congressman Scott Klug. Scott, thank you so much. He is on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline. I guess let me just ask you that. When you look at this country and how fractured we are approaching another presidential election that will be very divisive, uh, what are your fears about escalating uh, tension and possibly violence? Well, it's not my fear. I mean, I think if you look at most polling that's done, somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of the American public are worried about uh, political violence. And, you know, we've seen that, you know, not only in terms of uh, people to people. I mean, you know, I'm mad at you because you're for Trump and you're mad at me because I'm for Biden. You also see it, I think, in terms of, you know, look at the floor of the U.S. Senate a couple of weeks ago in a hearing where a senator from Oklahoma Ask the president of the Teamsters to step out in the hallway. Mark and to make Mullen, it even yep. more ridiculous, yeah, and to make it even more ridiculous, the guy from Oklahoma is actually a former MMA professional wrestler. So it was, you know, beyond the pale. And and we think about this thing in the U.S. largely hypothetically, aside from January 6th, but in England, most people don't realize that two members of parliament were killed by constituents over the last four years. Uh, one, a young woman with uh, by somebody who was a right wing extremist upset over her vote on Brexit. And uh, the other one, uh, a member of uh, a small town just south of London who thought he was meeting with a constituent and it was an Islamic fundamentalist who stabbed him to death. And the British did something interesting, which, which I think we should think about. They actually established national political civility awards on the idea that you should honor people who do it the right way to serve as role models. And, and I think that's a great suggestion we should think about taking up. In fact, the first one's pretty interesting because, you know, as, as passionate as abortion is in the U.S., uh, in, in a lot of ways, Brexit was even more so in the U.K. I mean, obviously, given the one murder I just talked about. So the first person who won it was actually the guy who led the fight for Brexit in Parliament, because what he did the night of the election when they won, as he stood up and said, you know what, whenever we do these, you stand up and crow about and basically humiliate the other side. And I think that's the last thing we should do. 
and I'm going to go home and have a quiet glass of champagne by myself because I'm happy that we won. But I realize how many people have been hurt by this, how divisive it's been. And tomorrow morning, we have to figure out a way to work together. And when is the hell the last time you heard that from an American politician? Uh, I cannot remember. But Scott, you talk about giving an award in British society, and that's wonderful. It's it's great. But is it just an award? Does it have any teeth? I mean, is there anything more to it that would make people... I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Is it just an award is what I'm asking? And how do, does the public really care about that? Sure point. It actually has become a fairly significant uh, national event in, in UK politics and gets massive coverage. But again, I don't I don't know that you can sell this, Jordana, sort of with one sweeping thing. We sort of have to start one at a time. I mean, it's got to start again with people and civility. And, you know, there's a great story actually from Duluth. Uh, I don't know if you know this, it's, it's probably been going on for almost 20 years that in Duluth, um, a new guy takes over as the editor of the Duluth Tribune. He came from Chicago, not exactly a general place in terms of politics. He walks through the newsroom and he hears police scanners go off because they're scrambling to send cop cars to the Duluth City Council because a fistfight has broken out with several members of the city council. And Duluth, and this is 2002, 2003, had really bitter fights over city and county budgets. And, and obviously, if you're ending up with fistfights in the city council, it's pretty bad. So what the Duluth community did is they pulled together folks from all sides, and they developed something called um, um, uh, Speak Your Peace, as in P-A-C-E as a, as, a, as a reference. And people even today in the city council, the Douglas County, Superior County over in Wisconsin, um, the airport authority, all of the local units of government, anybody who serves on those is expected to carry in their wallet a card that basically lays out six or seven principles, which sort of sounds like what you'd get in kindergarten class, but we need to be reminded of this today, which is <laughs> what's the difference between that, what's the difference between kindergartners and members of Congress? We can start there. Well, <laughs> well, the difference is that kindergartners listen when it yeah. says respect what other there people say. <laughs> yeah, give you know, give admit when you're wrong, uh, congratulate other people, you know, when they do a job well done, and so that that lesson actually um, has held in Duluth to a large degree. And not totally. I mean, we're in a different environment than we were 20 years ago. But they actually give speeches around the country talking about this Duluth project. So there's a story right in Minnesota where, I mean, has it made everybody happy? Do they sing folk songs at night when the city council meetings get over? No. But they've learned, I think, a key thing we forget. The person on the other side has the right to their opinion. And you have to respect their opinion. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It doesn't have to mean you embrace it. But I think it's a fundamental principle of democracy, which is based on conflict and based on people fighting for their ideas. But the difference is, at the end of the day, you have to acknowledge one another's differences and figure out a way to get things done. And This, you know, this, this all sounds great, Scott. I mean, it sounds... Uh... Almost like my world where rainbows and unicorns are prevalent. We're, we're speaking, by the way, with Scott Klug, um, former Madison Republican congressman in Madison, Wisconsin. And he now has a podcast called Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans. And his goal is to bring people together and have um, quality public discourse, even if you disagree. Scott, let me ask you this. There is a debate here locally, and I know you're not up on all Minnesota politics here, but um, locally we're talking about – 
cutting back on public commentary at things like city council meetings or school board meetings because sometimes, you know, the school board will be talking about lunches and then somebody runs in and yells free Palestine. And they're saying that's off brand. We shouldn't have that. And they're talking about cutting back on having the public be able to comment because of some disruptors. What are your thoughts on that? Should public commentary still be, you know, a huge portion of these public forums or is that a good idea to cut back? Well, you know, so I have sort of the whole axis of evil covered here. So I was a journalist for 14 years. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> a news a, anchor. I, I was, mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I'm not even, yeah, I, it's not done yet. I spent eight years as a politician. Then I spent 10 years as a lobbyist. Right. But throughout all of those checkered and embarrassing careers, um, I actually believe very strongly in the First Amendment. But there's a time and a place. Right. If you have a city council meeting and there's enough uh, uh, people in the community who want to talk about a particular issue, I think um, they should be able to do it, but at the right place in the right time. I think the city councils, county boards, state legislatures all have assignments where they got to get things done. And it can't be a free for all where people can just sort of march in and try to change the agenda. Um, Madison, you know, my hometown's famous for this, where the city council is voting on Gaza and Israel and can't figure out how to fix the traffic light two blocks from my house. Um, so I think that's sort of in the nature of the way some city councils get run. But I'm a I'm a free speech First Amendment guy where I think you have to let the public comment. You have to have a time and a place for people to be involved in making their opinions known. But I also think you have to respect the fact that it's a, in a governing body that has a series of assignments to do that demand that the public figure out the right forum to express yeah. their grievances. We were just having that conversation because the Minneapolis City Council is doing the very same thing that you just mentioned, too. But I agree with that. I think you, you put up with the people who ramble on for three minutes about something that's non-existent to give the guy a right to have his three minutes about the variance that's affecting his street. I think that's critical to our, our democracy. Let me ask you this, is because, we Scott, we wrestle with this question all the time about the reason it's it, – Politics has become a zero-sum game where it's there's no compromise, where it's like we have to win and completely win and give no victory to the other side. I mean, what what possibly can we do to change that? Well, I think I think that's a distorted impression, and let me tell you why. I think that debate in this country has been captured by the extremes on both sides. So I think we talked about this last time. If you ask the American people, Brookings Institute did this, a Washington, D.C. think tank that's a teeny bit left of center, the kind of place Jordan is happier listening to. But when they surveyed 2,000 people, they asked them whether they wanted a Republican Party further to the right, a Democratic Party further to the left, sort of leave things alone or split the difference. And, and the answer is 10 percent wanted a further left Democratic Party, 10 percent wanted a further right Republican Party. Forty four percent of the public says somewhere in the middle. And those folks are not involved in the sort of, you know, street brawls, arguments at the dinner table, you know, fights at the city council. They just want things to get done and for people actually to cooperate, not in a bipartisan basis and a nonpartisan basis. 
And they don't talk about compromise. They talk about collaboration because compromise sounds like, well, I'm giving away some stuff I really thought was important to get this other piece of stuff over there. So I think we, we, we get lost in this. And the, and the other part of it, because, you know, I worked in the press for, you know, years and years, and I'm, I'm still attached and I have lots of good friends who, who work in television and work in newspapers and magazines. I, I think it's such a tough business that, you know, the only people, the shrinking number of people who are willing to pay for cable, unless they're diehard sports fans, and I don't mean that facetiously, it's people who really care about MSNBC and really care about Fox. And when you go down those rabbit holes, I meant, you know, you don't get any divergent opinion. And so I think what's happened is we're in a, in a world where the social media matters more than anything else, and the existing media has to be partisan because it's the only way they can grab viewers or grab readers. And so that amplifies sort of the 10% on the left and the 10% on the right. But the folks who call you in, call into your show or talk to you or you meet on the street or who listen to you on a regular basis, I think are probably part of that 45% that says, look, this is just crazy. We got to figure out how to work these things out. That makes me feel heartened. I'm queasy about the whole thing that, you know, just grabbing ratings is what gets people to watch and being so divisive. But I hope you're right, Scott. I really do. And but before we let you go, I kind of want to tackle this topic. Uh, and, and I just want to know your thoughts on this immigration issue that we're having in the country. I, I don't expect you to solve immigration. I'll do that in the next hour of the show. But, um, Scott, uh, what I was watching an interview, you know, with Mike Johnson and he was being interviewed, I don't know, Margaret Brennan or, or whatever, and, and all he did was blame President Biden about nothing getting done at the border and this crisis that we're having. And, and she reminded him, she said, OK, but you make the laws. Congress makes laws. President Biden doesn't make laws. What have you done? And he quickly you know, changed it around to, again, the Biden policies being terrible on immigration Mike, my, my bigger question when I set this up, my, excuse me, Scott, is, is, is immigration just a political football or can Congress and the administration actually solve this problem if they chose to? Well, look, I think the answer is if, you know, the three of us go down to a coffee shop in downtown Minneapolis, four blocks from where you are, and gather everybody in that coffee shop and ask them and say, what do you want to do? I would think within 10 minutes, we can agree that the border needs to be more secured and that there has to be a pathway to citizenship for dreamers. I mean, George W. Bush tried to do this in the early 2000s and couldn't get it done because it was more effective for the Republicans and Democrats as a political issue than it was a public policy issue. And I think this is just crazy. Now, in defense of the speaker, Congress makes the law. The administration has the assignment to execute the law as it is. And I think that would be where the disagreement is. But clearly, as a country, we can't go on having these kind of numbers of immigrants coming over the border without any sense of control. I mean, it, you know, we've had a long, proud system of immigration in this country. We're a country based on immigrants, for God's sakes. And we need them to help the economy grow. And most folks I know, I mean, I just watched, you know, six guys listening to mariachi music and all speaking in Spanish who were putting a roof on across the street for me. And you couldn't find any harder workers than putting a roof on when it's 20 degrees outside. I mean, God bless them. But 
there's got to be normal controls and it can't be going the way it is. And if you don't have border security, then the message gets down to Central and Latin America that says, well, the door's open, keep coming. And so, um, Jordana, the answer is, I think the American public, again, my 44% who self-define as centrist, think there's a common sense solution to this. And for 22 years, it's been a great political issue. And back to my story about the British guy who got um, the first award for British civility because he stood up and said, I'm not going to crow about winning because we all have to work together tomorrow morning. Let's get things done. Wouldn't it be fascinating to actually see somebody come stand up in Congress and said, let's get this done. And then go ahead, full speed ahead. But, you know, it's an election year. And so, you know, if you frustrate it today, you got another 11 months to be even more frustrated. Oh, oh goody. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for the time. As always, uh, we'll reach out again. Uh, I love these conversations and uh, please join us again. I will. And one more cheap plug. It's www.lust.com in uh, excuse me com, and uh love to have some more listeners out there and mm-hmm. tune in we'll uh, tell you similar stories from around the country and and i hope the storm that's now burying me here in madison stays away yeah. from minneapolis it so, is. Good, luck. good luck with that snow yeah well, some of yeah. us want it some of us don't thank you scott all right stay warm bye-bye scott Klug. yeah uh, the podcast is lost in mm-hmm. the middle america's political orphans uh, if you if you know if you want to listen search it wherever you get podcasts 1050 we'll react to what scott had to say and uh, some news coming out uh, of uh, president trump's uh, former president trump's uh, argument that he is immune from prosecution we'll figure that out we'll solve everything next your lindis construction time check is 1056 time to invest in infinity for marvin windows and get 50 percent off installation labor about a minute here before the break uh, we do our random review next hour, and you wanted to say something. No, I just oh. wanted to say about the Scott Klug oh, interview. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, we have CNN, like, up in the uh, in the studio. And I'm watching Senator Bob Menendez say that he – and he's been brought up on all sorts of charges of fraud yeah. and taking bribes and bribery, possibly even treason, I think, and, of foreign governments, aiding foreign governments. And he's yelling about him being persecuted, not prosecuted. Yeah. And you that's can proclaim – that's what I mean. You can proclaim your innocence, but you're not being persecuted. You, you are being prosecuted because there's evidence of these crimes and you're being prosecuted. No one was out to get you and made up these crimes. And I mean we're seeing that from the Trump campaign too, claiming he has 100 percent immunity. Well, no, he doesn't because there are 91 indictments against him and they wouldn't have been indictments if there wasn't some evidence of a crime. Whether he'll be convicted of that is a whole other story. It just – the lying is is it's just upsetting, Adam, and it gets to you after a while. Uh, CBS News coming up next. The truth. That's the truth. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 